Hey, Steve here. Welcome back. Before I get into this episode, I want to say something. Thank you. And I really mean that sincerely. Since I launched this podcast, the number of people listening to it has grown pretty steadily. And I've met a lot of really interesting people along the way, which was one of my secret goals. We're now approaching the 100th episode, for which I have something pretty special planned. I hope you're finding the programs fun to listen to. I hope you're learning a few things. And I hope the topics that I talk about make you just a little bit curious. That, after all, is the goal. There's so much negative stuff out there these days that threatens to suck us into the vortex that I feel like I need to find and share stories that will give you something else to think about, something fun and interesting, something that will help you develop, even if it's just for a few minutes, like this one. In this episode, I want to talk about the lost art of letter writing. I write with fountain pens and... I always have. They just feel natural to me. Sabina buys me pens for special occasions. I have one from a company called Aurora that looks like a swirling ocean, and another one from the same company that has the shields of all nine South African tribes surrounding the cap, and the color of the pen looks like a cheetah's fur. She bought me that one when I started doing so much work in Africa, and she realized how important the place was to me. Another one, and it's the one that I'm currently using, is from a company called Visconti, and it's called the Homo Sapiens. It's absolutely gorgeous. The body is molded out of ash from Mount Vesuvius, and the pen has these beautiful bronze accents all over it. So enough about what to write with. Let's talk about how. This episode is, after all, about letter writing, not about pens. So why did I pick this topic? Well, it's a really good question. If you've read any of my books, and if you have, thank you, and you're one of those people who reads the acknowledgments, you may remember that I regularly thank a guy named Ken Sato in just about every book I've ever written. That's because Ken has always been my fiercest editor. In fact, I joke about the fact that he proofreads with a 55-gallon drum of red ink and a paint roller, because that's what the pages of my manuscript look like when he returns them to me. He pulls no punches, and I love that. And Sabina's the same way. Neither of them is afraid to say to me, you weren't seriously going to publish this, were you? Or something along those lines. As a writer, that's really important, because making me feel good about the book isn't the goal. Catching the errors and the omissions and clarity and flow problems, that's the goal. Anyway, back to Ken. We met on the morning of August 3rd, 1981, when we both showed up for day one of our jobs with Pacific Telephone. In fact, it occurs to me that that's 39 years to the day. I'm actually recording this on August 3rd, 2020. We were in the same entry-level training class, a program called Computer Communications Systems Management Training, or CC-SMIT, since telephone companies are so enamored of acronyms. That was my first professional acronym. Many more would follow. The program was seven and a half months long, full-time, and it was exhaustive. Now, keep in mind that I joined the telephone company after having been a commercial diver. Eight months later, I could diagnose just about any kind of network protocol problems, boot many computers and mainframes, and troubleshoot network problems and coordinate repairs with a technician in a central office that was hundreds of miles away all over the telephone. So Ken and I became friends and ended up working together one way or the other for quite a few years. Eventually, we both left the phone company, but we stayed in touch. 
and have had a running email chain going now for the better part of 40 years. If we strung them all together, I suspect they'd go to the moon and back a couple of times. We talk about a lot of things, and we share a few interests, especially reading. We're constantly zipping book recommendations back and forth to each other. The other day, after responding to Ken's latest message, a thought occurred to me. Our email chain is a lot like a series of letters. You remember those? Remember how before email arrived, we used to pick up a pen, grab a pad of stationery, and actually write letters to each other? Sometimes we even, now brace yourselves, sometimes we even talked on the telephone. And by the way, that stationery was blank. It didn't have any lines on it. Instead, the paper was fairly thin. There was even a type called onion skin. It was so thin. And it came with a separate sheet that had dark black lines printed on it. You'd stick the sheet under the one you were going to write on, and you could see the lines showing through from underneath so that your writing didn't get the dreaded droops as you wrote your way across the page. This actually reminded me of something Ken used to do that I thought was great. He had a background in drafting and art, and whenever he wrote by hand, he'd put a short steel ruler on the paper, and then he'd write on top of it to make sure he wrote in a straight line. I always thought that was pretty cool. You have to remember that this was 1981, before email arrived, and before any of us had PCs on our desks, because there were no PCs yet. We didn't even have voicemail, and we worked for the phone company. The most sophisticated thing we did have was pagers that beeped when we were needed. When that happened, we'd have to pull over, find a payphone, and call the office to find out what system had crashed or what network carrier was in trouble, and whether we were being called in to work on it. Anyway, since we didn't have email or word processors, we wrote a lot by hand. The other thing that happened that got me onto this subject was the book about writing that I had just published. One of the things I talk about in that book is the importance of writing messages or articles or blog posts by hand first with a pen or pencil and paper before committing them to the keyboard. Now, why do I recommend this? Well, because it's too easy to write fast on a keyboard and ignore any errors that might sneak in. All too often, we write and then send without proofreading because we don't have time. Well, that's nonsense. In fact, it's an excuse. The thing is that if you write by hand, it forces you to slow down, to think about what you're actually saying, to edit as you go, and to frankly enjoy the process. Think about it. It's creative and artistic to write by hand. Unlike most of my friends and colleagues, when I go to a meeting, I don't take notes on my iPad or laptop. I actually write them on paper. It just works for me because I can circle things, put stars in front of important paragraphs, draw arrows between related notes, and doodle in the margins if I get bored. I have two shelves in my office dedicated to the notebooks that I've filled up since I started my business in 2000, a five-foot handwritten history of the business. It's a physical symbol of my 20-year journey. So I decided to go retro and try an experiment. I went online and I found some really cool old-school airmail envelopes, which I ordered, and then I went in search of stationery. You have no idea how hard that was. All I wanted was some nice quality linen paper with a little bit of texture to it that would work well with my fountain pens. I found super expensive hand-laid paper, and I found kitschy paper with sunbursts and unicorns and flower sprays and clouds. I found cards, and I found fancy laser printer paper but it took me two days to find a nice stationery that would work for me. Apparently, nobody writes by hand anymore, so nobody stocks the supplies that you need to do it. Anyway, 
I'm going to write some letters. I think the last time I wrote one by hand was in 1978, and it was to Sabina, which somehow seems fitting. The thing is, I like letters. They're different from emails, and they're even different from letters that we write on the computer using Word or Pages or Google Docs. When I handwrite, I take my time, and I don't have to worry about saving. I also can't insert text or pictures from somewhere else. I have to physically cut them out, stick them in the envelope with the folded paper. And stamps? Well, I guess I have to go buy some stamps. This also made me think about the structure of a letter. I mean, does it have a structure? I thought about this for a long time, and then I went into the basement in search of a box that I knew had some old letters in it. And sure enough, after reading a few of them, some of them that I wrote, some that were written to me, a structure began to emerge. All the letters I found naturally started with some kind of a greeting, and most of them began with the word dear. Of course, it varied a little bit depending on who I was corresponding with. Sometimes they were more formal, to whom it may concern, or very casual. Hey, Peter. The next section that most of the letters had was some kind of an explanation for why I was writing or why I had taken so long to write. I was thinking about you. Something happened that made me want to share it with you. I wish you could be here with me. I wanted to follow up with some additional information after our last conversation. The next section was often some kind of a question, a way of handing the baton off to the other person, sort of a gentle reminder that I'd really like to hear back from you. Has the weather there been as nasty as it has here? Whatever happened to that book you were going to write about city parks? Have you been diving lately? Have you read anything good lately? Would you mind giving me some advice? I really need to pick your brain. All the questions were clearly designed to trigger a writing response on the other end. Now, once that was out of the way, most of the letters, no matter who they were from, went on to the news of the day and a day in the life, sort of a who did what to and with who section. This is also the place where jokes are shared, interesting little factoids are told, and private thoughts are shared. I did notice one thing that's different from an email or an electronic letter, beyond the obvious, of course. When we write on a computer, we often refer to pictures and things in the body of the letter because we can just insert them into the document with a few clicks. And the letters I found, though, any pictures, articles, recipes, or printed announcements that were put in the envelope with the letter weren't mentioned until the very end. More often than not, in a PS, which stands for postscript, by the way. We'll get to those in a minute. The next thing that usually shows up is a return to the questions. Is that old beater of a car still running? How are the kids? Whatever happened to Richard? Did you ever track him down? That might go on for quite some time, leading up to the last paragraph, which is where I found best wishes, professed undying love, pleas for a return letter, and promises made. This is usually tied in a neat bow by the close. Sincerely, most sincerely, best wishes, cheers, fondly, gratefully, take care, hugs, hugs and kisses, XOXOXO, thinking of you, love, lots of love, much love, and all my love. And of course, just like the encore at a concert, the letter isn't complete without a PS. It's like the prize in the cereal box. It basically says, I tried to stop writing to you, but I just can't. And as I said earlier, this is also where any enclosures, like photographs, articles, or whatever, are referred to. I have no idea why that is, but it's true, at least for the letters I looked at. As I searched for examples of letter structures, I found letters that I had pack-ratted away from my days as a kid overseas and from my first couple of years of university. One of my good friends, Peter, whom I've known since I was about 12, 
had a sense of humor that is without compare, although it would be hard to get away with some of the things he did in today's world. One of his letters had little pieces of broken glass in it and a pinch of table salt. Written on the envelope was, Handle with Care, contains anthrax. Another of his letters asked the Postal Service to please cancel the stamp by the sea. As I sat there reading, I began to wonder why I had saved all those letters, and the answer was pretty obvious. They were personal. They took time to write. They were an investment made, usually by someone far away, and they made me feel just a little bit closer to them. So how about a little experiment? I'm going to write a few letters just to keep an old craft alive. Why don't you join me? Think of somebody you haven't spoken to in a while and drop them a line. They'll be immensely surprised and pleased because letter writing is a personal investment in time on their behalf. Now, be sure to choose a good pen. It doesn't have to be a fountain pen, but it should feel good in your hand and it should move smoothly across the paper when you use it. Some people like gel pens or roller balls or felt tips. Some people like pencils. It doesn't matter. Just find something that feels good because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. And let me know what happens. Hey, maybe we'll start a trend. How cool would that be? Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.